Katie, put the flogger away. Hi, everyone. Hello, my fuck demon buddies. It's your queen and her good friend, Katie. And we're here to welcome you to Sex News with Ray. As a reminder, Katie is a sex educator from Sacramento, California. And uh, we've been talking about BDSM for so long that we might be getting a bit loopy. But today in Sex News, the article is called Sex Files. The benefits of kink extend far beyond the bedroom. And it's from the Toronto Sun, April 2021. We're going to start with a quote. As lockdown measures continue, we're all tied up at home, some of us more literally than others. Interest in BDSM and kink have increased since the start of the pandemic, according to this article. Show me the research, but whatever. Benefits of BDSM are beyond the bedroom and can have a positive effect on mental health like therapeutic relief from anxiety, ADD, and depression. BDSM is a wonderful tool to foster self-care, self-love, self-confidence, self-exploration, and body positivity, as well as nurturing qualities such as empathy and sensitivity. And then the article goes into some tips. Seek professional instruction for certain techniques. Hey, we said that. Learn how to, <laughs> learn how to stay safe. Start low and slow. Let's get into that one later. Consent. Talk about rack, risk-aware consensual kink. Practice explicit consent. Greet no or stop with gratitude. Positive reinforcement and acceptance when your partner has the courage to express their limits. And I feel like we touched on some of this last week. That last one resonated so hard. Tell me more while I eat a chip. Especially when you're a submissive, you want to make your dom proud and you want to be able to like push your limits. And so saying no or saying that's too much for me is very vulnerable because you don't want to disappoint. And you don't want to disappoint anyone ever. Well, depending on who you are, I suppose. Um, hey. And so being greeted with that positive reinforcement of thank you so much for telling me that. That was, well, we've just went over the fact that not everybody likes to be called good girl, but <laughs> that positive reinforcement, um, I think is, is super important. I think people go into some of these scenarios thinking, I want to go in with an open mind. So I'm going to really try and push my limits. But you need to know what your limits actually are because you want to be able to walk the next day. Well, and limits are like your your limits are there to keep you safe. Like the reason that we are afraid of pain is because it keeps us safe. And so it is your body having a very natural response to a threat. So like feeling shame about having to say stop is kind of silly. I mean, not silly. I don't want to make anybody feel bad because I understand it. And also, um, yeah. And yes, you, you want to be able to walk the next day, probably. Well, I like how it says learn how to stay safe. Start low and slow, meaning low pain mm -hmm. or like low barrier. Start with something easy. You're not going to do a full shibari like suspension rig on your first try, nor should you potentially do that. Start with, you know. A simple wrist tie that with the slip knot that you can easily get out of if you need to and make sure you have scissors nearby, things like that. And slow, mm -hmm. meaning like you start slow, you check in and you you make sure that you yourself are okay with what's going on as you go. Well, and that's something also that I think um, I, I'm trying to remember the, the, the quotes because they talked about like self-care, self-confidence. And I think self-awareness is, is a really big one that like, like, I didn't know how to do a, like, a full body scan until I started playing with kink. Um, it was something that, like, my therapist had talked about a lot, but I didn't really understand how to just, like, sit and check in with my body top to bottom 
and just see, okay, how are we feeling today? Like what, and and what about what we're feeling needs to be communicated to a partner to ensure that we both have a safe and fun time. Yeah. And sometimes it's as like basic as I got a new ear piercing. So like, be careful of my left ear today. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't have to be, you know, anything crazy. We talked about how like doms can't read minds and so they should be mm. asking. But I think it's also important for subs to know that they need to be aware of themselves enough that they can communicate mm-hmm. what they want. Or if they don't know, you can say, I don't know right now. One thing we talk a lot about is that consent is negotiated at the beginning and it is not renegotiated in the scene. Because when someone is in a certain headspace, they might try and take things farther than they're actually comfortable with. And they might either regret it after or their body can't actually handle it. But they're mm-hmm. in a certain space mm-hmm. at that moment. So so just because they say no, go harder doesn't mean you go harder if that's not or whatever harder is. Harder can be the metaphor here. Also, you don't want the dom to also feel like I need to stop this. I'm not feeling OK. I actually had a question once at an Oasis event where someone said, can a dom stop a scene if they're uncomfortable? And the answer is also yes. If you are not comfortable with, mm-hmm. with what's happening, you get to use your safe word. Absolutely. And say, listen, I'm feeling pressured to do something right now that I don't want to do. And I'm not feeling safe to do this with you right now. It's it's not about men or women. It's not about dom or sub. Everyone is responsible for everyone's safety. And everybody is responsible also for for their own needs and communicating those needs. Yeah. And I, and I know that you, you talked at one point about um, how much work goes into kind of creating and, and facilitating and seeing a scene all the way through. Yeah. I mean, asking, asking anybody to be a mind reader is unfair, but like, especially in a situation that is highly vulnerable for both parties. Um, there's just no room for that. You also don't need to do everything at once. You don't need to have a scene that's like everything at once. So for example, like I love costumes. Like in life, I do a lot of cosplay and I love outfits and, Mm -hmm. you know, that translates into other places in my life too. So sometimes you want to wear an outfit because you want to get into the right mindset for a scene or a thing or what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I can just say scene. Outfits can be a huge, great way of making that happen. And it's getting in this mindset. So if you're dressed like pirates, you're not all of a sudden going to be doing a space future scene, Mm -hmm. right? If you're going into one scene with certain acts pre-agreed upon, you don't switch it halfway through all of a sudden. Neither party does that halfway through all of a sudden because that's not... You can go with the flow and you can let things move and meander. But if someone says, this is a hard limit for me before the scene, whether they're the dom or the sub, you don't try and take it there in the middle. I'm afraid of aliens, so there's no way in hell this is turning into space pirates. And then you try and turn it into space pirates. That's a problem. That's the best metaphor I've got tonight. I was going to say space pirates episode title. (laughs) Um, Cowboys versus Aliens is definitely a great movie. And by great, I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I've never seen it. I should probably watch it. I I don't know. I feel like that is kind of in a nutshell, like the ways in which knowing yourself and communicating your needs are crucial components to any healthy relationship, but especially a kink relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe let's talk about the consent models because there are four kinds with four names. Hello, cat. If you guys hear me yowing, it's French fry. She's here because she wants you to know about my hairy pussy. So <laughs> if you hear me yowing, that's what it is. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's four different kinds of consent models that they talk about in BDSM. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know about this. 
I later on would like to have a conversation about why do we have to name everything? And I know why we name things. And we're going to like, I have a personal rant about why we name things. I have named my car. I like to name people's body parts. We're not going to get into that here today, but I like to name things because for me, I like to be able to have a certain set of words that we all know exactly what we're talking about at the same time. It's the same reason why like the conversation around like labels always pops up when when Pride Month hits. It's like the human brain wants to label things. It is what we want to do to stay organized and to understand. But like you're labeling it because you want to make sure that you're defining things the same way and that, you know, mm -hmm. you know what it is. That being said, I think some like I understand why we are labeling things here. And sometimes I'm like, if you don't know these four kinds of consent for BDSM, you're not failing a test and it's okay. No. You're, you are still a kinkster. You're still into BDSM. It's okay. As long as yeah. you're following general best practices, which are checking in, but yes, we can go into it. So there is mm -hmm. SSC safe, sane, consensual. You want to ask yourself the three questions. Is this safe to do? Is the sane to do? Do we consent? And both partners have to agree on what the safe and sane are defined as. And then some people took that and went, that's too vague. We need tighter <laughs> boxes. And that's where you have risk-aware consensual kink. Rack. Which reminds me of boobies. Yeah, so, hooter. Yeah. Okay, so what <laughs> is safe and what is sane? Risk-aware, you are aware of the risk, can name the risks and know how to prevent them. Consensual. Consensual. Kink is the activity. That's risk-aware, consensual. I've defined it for you. Can you both name the risk and affirm consent? Do you both understand what activity is about to take place? So if we were going to do, uh, okay, let's say that um, Katie and I want to do uh, an edge play scene that's going to involve knives. Is it safe to do? No. Is it sane to do? No. Do we consent? Yes. So that's really, you know what I mean? Like safe and consensual. Yes. Versus risk aware. Are we aware of the risk? Yes. If you push too hard, you could draw blood. You could scar someone. You could send them to the hospital. So how do we prevent that risk? We're going to make sure to be not pushing too deeply. We're going to check in about pain. If we see a welt, that's enough. If we draw blood, we're going to stop, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to not be cutting on the inner thigh or the armpit, even if it's light and gentle. Those kinds of risks would be the things that we would list. So I've named them. Katie, can you name some risks of knife and edge play? Damaging your knives. Damaging your knives. How are we going to prevent that, Katie? Just make sure to use the, the correct knife for the correct body part. Great. <laughs> this is murdery. I like it. No, I'm like, I keep putting you on the spot here. Okay. Katie, uh, are we consenting to knifing each other? I know I am. Yeah, let's knife, baby. Risk aware. Different from scissoring, buds. All right. Then there's... <laughs> Okay, this next one, I fucking love the name of it. It's called Prick. Prick. Personal responsibility informed consensual kink. So some people went, Rack's not good enough. We need more parameters. So it's the evolution. And it's the response to make sure that all kinksters take responsibility for the kink. Not just the dom or the sub. Both need to be responsible. Both need to be informed. So Katie is coming to me. I'm the dom and Katie's the sub. And I go, we're going to do wax. And Katie says, I trust you to do it right. I don't know anything about it. I'd be like, that's not prick. You need to come into this understanding a little bit of the basics. And I'm happy to teach you what they are and give you resources to do the research so you can come into this knowing what to expect. But we're not going to show up and have Katie be like, tie me up and do whatever you want. That's not 
a, that's not a good prick. That's not prick. That's not prick. <laughs> the four C's. Consent, communication, caring, and caution. Consent needs to be freely given without pressure. The usual. Go listen to my consent episode. We talk about fries at season one. If you if you don't know what this is yet, go back to season one. Caring. We care about well-being and happiness for everyone involved. Communication. Ask with transparency. That was a word I mispronounced. Ask with transparency <laughs> on an ongoing basis. I'm turning into Moira from Schitt's Creek. Caution. <laughs> transparency. Caution. Reading body language and being aware of when that changes. So that's the four C's. So, uh, Katie, do you have a preference for which consent model you use or prefer? Do you use any of these? Do you prefer one of them? Does any of them resonate? Um, I don't think that I have a preferred like model because for me, to be quite honest, the consent conversation has always been like uncomfortable for me, which tell me more. Yeah, I was going to say like as a sex educator, like that's a little a little difficult. But what it really is, it's not that it's uncomfortable for me. It's that most of the time I am the initiator of the conversation and the other person is understandably a little taken aback of like, why are we having a conversation about consent? Like, this isn't sexy. And I'm like, I need to know what your triggers are. And I need to know, like, if there are places that if I touch you, it's going to bring you pain. I need to know that. So mm -hmm. I usually start that kind of a conversation by telling people what I like or don't like. I had a partner once say to me that they hadn't ever been explicitly asked what they liked or didn't like. And I was saying, like, mm. do you like it like this? Do you like it like that? And they're like, I mean, this is fun to explore, but it's never been so explicitly asked. And I, I looked at them and said, well, I want you to feel good and I want to mm -hmm. make sure it feels good. Why would mm -hmm. we waste time with a mediocre sex when we can just get straight to the point and I want to watch you masturbate and show me how you like it and like mm -hmm. you know what I mean but what was, makes you come but it was kind of fun to be like show me how you masturbate and like mm, look them in hot. the eye right and they were like oh spicy like it doesn't need to be I was just gonna say spicy yeah <laughs> we've been on TikTok too much um yeah yeah I I think that there's a way of having that conversation but I will always start it with um you know don't touch my ears Mm -hmm. yeah at which Not point they person at which point they'll usually respond with what I love having my ears touched I'm like really where else do you like to be touched and mm -hmm. then we go from there and then it turns into a back and forth and it's really fun and it's very comfy yeah that's the fifth c comfy, comfy. that's an interesting <laughs> word to use can you explain that more what do you mean by comfy I think that so often um sex is a source of discomfort for people that trying to create a space where like someone's comfort is a is a priority in addition to pleasure like yes I want you to like actively feel good and also I want to make sure that you are comfortable enough around me to where you're going to say that feels really good or that doesn't feel great can you do it differently have you noticed that people with penises and balls never feel weird asking for what they need to orgasm like the amount of guys that are like, put your balls, put them between your teeth and suck. Like they'll be very specific in the moment and be like, this is what I need right now. Um, or is that just me who's noticed that? I don't know that it's just you who's noticed it. I think that my sample size of dicks and balls that I have interacted with might be slightly larger than yours. Fair. And so I have experienced people who are like, I don't know. It feels good. And I'm like, okay. Interesting. Well, okay. Then let's explore this together, buddy. 
I love that. Let's explore this together. Let's, yeah. let, what's going to feel, but then you can kind of be teasing about it. Like you can also be kind of dummy. Like, does this, do you like that? No. What if I try it harder? No. Okay. For real. No. Okay. Fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. That was, there. That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's the biggest one. I, that's the biggest one I get. It's, it's just like, don't put your finger in my butt. And I'm like, okay, I would never do that without asking, but like, okay. Um, I, it is amazing how many cisgendered men I've spoken to recently who, who definitely don't ever think about asking. And I'm like, oh, you're just going to put your finger in my butthole. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that quality people ask first. I'm like, bitch, I had Taco Bell today. You don't want to do that. <laughs> like, please. Fucking love Taco Bell. Stay away. My husband was worried I was going to propose to him in a Taco Bell. I almost had it today and then I didn't and I regret it immensely. Mm. Well, we know I have dietary restrictions, so I haven't had Taco Bell in years. Poor baby. Um, but no, so I would say like these consent models are fairly new to me. Like for me, I've always used just like enthusiastic consent as the model. And it took me kind of starting to venture into a role as an educator to understand that like there's a lot more to it than just enthusiastic consent. So like, I'm still learning. I think it's definitely worth noting that even as a sex educator, you're still learning about it. So it makes sense why people would be uncomfortable with it. Oh, yeah. I think one of the reasons people talk so much about consent with BDSM is once again, the physical risk factor. You mm -hmm. are doing things that are legitimately dangerous. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're doing them safely. And you want to make yeah. sure your partner feels good about it after. And there's a lot of endorphins that get pushed in these in these scenarios like there's a lot of adrenaline there is a drop there's something called sub drop and dom drop but you know you you'll go into like a certain space where your mind is is just it's it's like that heightened adrenaline fear spot like you're in a place of pain and like i i mean i've never been there but i've talked to other subs about it but when you come out of that there's a drop like there's an emotional drain of all those chemicals and that's a thing that happens. It's not like after you have sex and you feel really close to the person and you like, it's like a drained of everything feeling. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's when aftercare comes into play because it's okay. You need to be held, not maybe not physically held, but like emotionally held through the drop and also get some help kind of like getting yourself back into a state where you can emerge into the outside world. And, and I think that you, you made a point earlier that I think is really important and something that like I hadn't considered as a sub, like in my head, it is the, the like, not the stereotype, but like, I guess, yeah, the stereotype is that like the Dom is the one that gets carried away. But in reality, like it is so easy as a sub to keep saying yes to things, even if there's something that you would normally say no to. Because mm -hmm. of the headspace that you're in. Yeah. And, and you're just like, okay, I'm like, absolutely. Sure. Let's do it. Uh, I mean, probably not in those words, but, um, and so I think that's a, that's a really interesting perspective that I, I hadn't really considered. And, and so I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Anytime. Here's another thing while we're on the topic of consent, I don't know what you're learning in your sex ed school, but I'm really excited about what I've been learning in mine. Uh, have you seen the pizza model Ted talk on consent and pizza and how we talk about it versus baseball? Say no, no so that I can more. talk about it. Great. Okay. Tell me more. So a lot of the metaphors we use to describe sex, even conventional sex, is baseball. There's a picture. Oh, yeah. There's a catcher. First base, second base, third base. And the issues with this are it's competitive. 
There's a team that is trying to steal things and a team trying to defend. The object is to go farther and farther. If you're enjoying second base, it doesn't matter. That's not the goal. The goal is to get to third base. And if you are comfortable at second base, that doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It's all about third base and then home. And if you want to go back or do it in a different order, doesn't matter. There's an order you do it in. It's first base, second base, third base, home. And that's all that matters. And home base is, you know, as you said on an earlier episode, first, second, third might be considered foreplay, but that is the sex if you have a clitoris. So the object of that isn't to actually enjoy. So a different, better metaphor is pizza. Pizza is inherently a sexual experience or a sensual, sorry, a sensual experience. Mm, it's about enjoying smell, the, taste, the, yeah, the smell, all of that. And mm. not only that, but you don't just force pizza down someone's throat. You say, hey, do you want to go for some pizza? And they might go, I'm not really feeling pizza. And you'll figure out what you want to do instead. Or they might go, yeah, I love pizza. And then you get there and then you have to have a conversation around what toppings do you like? Is there a crust you need? Are you gluten-free? You know, <laughs> what are you like? Are you kosher? Do we need to go to a kosher restaurant? You know, mm -hmm. like all of those different conversations around what goes on your pizza and that's negotiating and discussing what you like or what you don't like. Maybe you realize after a conversation, you and this person can't share pizza. Mm. You're not going to enjoy the experience together. You're going to need separate pizzas or maybe you don't enjoy the act of having that conversation with them. So you decide not to have pizza with that person after all, because they're trying to force you to get the cauliflower crust and you don't want the cauliflower crust. So I want the real not, crust. God damn. Yeah. They're not willing to compromise. Exactly. So versus what if you need the cauliflower crust and that person refuses and you're like, well, then I can't do this with you because that's actually what I need for my body. So that's that's part of the metaphor. And then the other part of that is it's not about eating it as fast as you can. It's about enjoying that pizza with that person. Mm. You're going to spend time doing it. You might say, thanks, I had a lovely time and call them after to talk about how great that pizza was. Some people like to have pizza every single day. And some people like to have pizza very rarely and no one gets shamed for how often they want to eat pizza. Some people might never want to eat pizza. And you don't get shamed for your, aside from the pineapple debate, no one gets shamed for their preferred toppings. People might joke about their preferred toppings and be like, ah, you like that? But when it comes down to it, there's no such thing as a wrong pizza topping. You can put whatever the fuck you want onto it. Pineapple belongs on pizza. It's fine. I do agree. But also, you can enjoy pizza with just one other person. You can enjoy it in a group. You can enjoy it alone. By yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's the pizza metaphor. I love that. That's amazing. I would really quickly, though, like to backtrack because I don't know if you watch Letterkenny. I don't. But there is a great scene that is all just quippy one-liners making baseball metaphors about sex. Mm. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's from the Valentine's Day episode where they do speed dating. 10 out of 10 would recommend. You do not need context for it to be funny. Okay. I'll look that up later and compare it to the pizza TED Talk. Oh, no, no. It's just, yeah. it is, it is not it's just at all funny? educational. It's just oh, funny. it's just funny. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. Yes. That's, that's, a, I really like that. I like yeah. that a lot. And, and I like that it blends the, like, the consent as a cup of tea mm -hmm. video that, like, everybody has seen. Um, if you haven't, look it up. It's, it's a pretty good explanation. Right. You wouldn't pour tea down, down a friend's throat. You offer tea, but if someone says no, you're not going to force yeah. it on them. Why would you? Different people yeah. like different tea. Yeah. And I love that it combines that with the idea of the complex nature of what type of sex people enjoy. Yeah. And the way that people choose to enjoy sex, if they choose to enjoy sex, like I really appreciated the nuances um, of that metaphor. That's a good one. Yeah. 
Well, another thing I think that's important to discuss here, too, is shout out to Carson, who's going to laugh if he listens to this episode after, but an erection is not consent. Mm, So one thing that we talked about in sex ed school as well, which I think is very relevant to this concept, especially with BDSM, is the idea of non-concordant sexual response. Yes, non-concordant. Yeah, your body might respond to something, but you're not actually enjoying it. So if someone is um, tied up, and they've got a vibrator attached to them, but they're not actually enjoying it, their partner might come back and feel wetness because they are physically being stimulated in that way. But that doesn't mean that they're actually feeling aroused just because they're wet. That's where the verbal consent comes in. You can't just assume based off of someone's body response that they're interested. Some people are also naturally wetter than others. The body will respond to stimulus. That's why it's so important to check in on if someone is feeling good about what you're doing. Well, and on the and in the reverse, I'm on SSRIs, which means that your girl needs lube all the time. You're never I'm wet. I'm never wet. And that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it. It just means sorry. Yeah. So I think in a situation also where you're then incorporating things like BDSM, where there's that inherent dialogue. There's there's when I say dialogue, I mean like literally the the things you're saying to each other in a BDSM scenario are going to be a lot different than what you say in maybe a more traditional vanilla, for lack of a better word, scenario in terms of the words that you're saying to each other. So you need to know in advance what this person's arousal or response looks like because you might not be able to read their body cues in the moment. That's something that's important to be aware of. So on that note, Katie, I know you're really passionate about talking about gatekeeping and BDSM. Do you want to go on a rant? Because now's your time. I really fucking do. Well, and I feel this way about about every quote unquote alternative lifestyle um, that we're talking about this season, because I think that anything that is a community of folks who have been, if not marginalized, at least like there's a stigma around the lifestyle they choose. There's a certain level of protectiveness of their community and wanting to make sure that the right people are invited in and the wrong people are kept out. And understand like that is a form of self-protection and it makes sense and also it's super harmful for all parties involved because the only way for new ideas and energy and relationships to form is by allowing new people into these spaces and so it's really hard because like when it comes to BDSM like there is a certain level of confidence that folks carry themselves with and so it's intimidating to be new and have questions and be like, I don't actually know what that means. Especially if you're just looking at people like, oh, do you know about rack and the four C's? It might be embarrassing to admit you don't. Well, and I'm not even necessarily like talking explicitly about that. I'm thinking of like, honestly, I'm thinking of how I would feel going to my first BDSM fair of being like, fuck, I don't belong here. Like, I don't know what these people, I don't know what this kink is. I've never heard of this or tried it. Like, Oh, that's not cool. And, and I'm sure most of the time it is unintentional, but when conversations around BDSM and kink are carried out in ways that aren't inclusive and open to new ideas, for example, like if, if you're going to talk about, you know, pet play, explain what pet play is before you start talking about it. Like when you talk about a a device of any kind that you might use, explain what that device is and and what it does. Like, don't assume that other people know what you know. 
One thing I would also, I just want to add, I know in the circles I run in, there is this assumption that you will have all have the same political opinions at these spaces mm. because while it's an alternative thing, so everyone needs to be liberal, to be alternative and liberal, and you are going to meet people who voted differently than you did. And they are mm. just as allowed to be in that space as you are, whether yeah. or not you agree with their political opinions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a... Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you might she think right. so, someone might have you might not agree with someone's politics or you might label them shitty politics, but that doesn't mean that they're not allowed freedom of sexual expression. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's and that's a and that is something that like as a raging leftist, like there have been times where that has been a difficult truth for me to accept and understand. You can choose not to sleep with someone because you don't agree with their political opinions. Right. Like I would never have sex with a man who wasn't pro-choice. Yeah. Because that's just putting myself in a potentially harmful situation if something goes wrong. And that's a choice you can make for yourself. But that doesn't mean that they don't belong there. Yeah. Like, they might not belong in your scene, but they can be the scene. With the exception of, like, obvious. I feel like, uh, like, the conversation's always like, well, what about neo-Nazis? Obviously, we are not talking about neo-Nazis. We're talking about people who just maybe are Republican or conservative or are fiscally conservative or might be more socially conservative than you are. There's a difference between a bigot and a Republican. Yeah. It's a very thin line. <laughs> just kidding. You can have leftist bigots, though. As as two Jews, we... We are aware. We know. Mm-hmm. Both. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Yeah. I think that people forget that bigots can be on both sides of the political spectrum, including the left side, which is why you cannot assume that people in this space are going to all have the same political opinions as you. Mm -hmm. And also, I would say not assume that there is like the safety that you might experience in that space as a kinkster and in a kink space, like that safety doesn't necessarily translate to like the emotional safety. I'm thinking of the ways in which like people talk about safe spaces and how it's like, Yes, this space is is safe for you to say what you're feeling, but also like the impact of what you say is still important. And mm-hmm. like intent versus impact doesn't translate everywhere. And like and I think what's so hard about about BDSM is that like intent and impact quite literally go together if you're talking about impact play. Hey. <laughs> hey. But like they are so inherently tied together and and parsing that is something that you can really only do with your partner when you are getting ready for whatever type of play you're going to engage in. I think in general that's that maybe that's I think what we're trying to get here which is like navigating this is is not simple. Navigating BDSM and consent and sexual relationships is not simple. And we try to come up with all these metaphors and these words and these explanations to try and make it easier for us to navigate them because human beings are individual and complex. That's just unfortunately always going to be like, it's not going to get easier. But what you can do is practice your ability to have these conversations in a way that is comfortable for you. You know, some some people might not want to be aggressively asked, what do you like? Show me what you want. In which case, (laughs) they're not going to want to fuck me anyway. Because I I am nothing if not aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so and and like, I would say that 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 same level of gatekeeping exists in the poly community also. There's like a hierarchy almost. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's hierarchies in every community because that 
is how human beings operate. We label things and we create hierarchies. It's what we do. If we're trying to create a community that is, <laughs> even though I just got done bitching about the word safe, if we're trying to create a community that's safe for, for new people to enter, like we got to be better. And we should always be make, trying to make a community that's safe for new people to enter because that will make things more interesting and fun. Yeah, man. Like, whenever people are like, why should we be inclusive or diverse? I'm like, because the more people are included, the more fun you get to have. Like, come on. Yeah, in my opinion. Other people might not agree with that, but I... Us, us poly sluts. Anyway, <laughs> I I also want to add that gatekeeping exists outside of the sex world and outside of BDSM. Like, you get oh, yeah, this yeah, with yeah. cartoons. You get this with, with you know, any fandom. Like, I gatekeep mm -hmm. Harry Potter all the time. I'll be friends with people who have only seen the movies, but I... You know, someone was like, you must not think I'm a true fan. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I, don't. I was like, you're right. I don't. I really like you a lot as a person, but you like the play. So no, you're not the a real play fan. Is not part of the canon. Sorry. Thank you. We were arguing over whether or not the play is canon. He's like, but it was written by her. So it's canon. Like it was not written by no, it's her. Not. It's not. She might have greenlit it, but she did. She did not write it. It's written by two dudes. And then we argued over whether or not Harry telling his son that he wished he wasn't his son would have ever happened in the books. And like, based off the character of Harry, and he's like, you know, you can grow up and be a different person than you were as a kid. And I'm like, did you read the books? No, you didn't. That's not Harry's character. It's not in his character. It might be like 10, 17 years in the future, but you don't change that drastically. No, no. Anyway, I know I just gate kept there, but... I am still friends with that person and they still get to enjoy Harry Potter, the movies. Exactly. And we still hang out and talk about Harry Potter, even if I think they're wrong. Even if you think they're wrong. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I'm very passionate about Harry Potter. I mean, no one can see this, but behind me, you can see part of the shrine. I think on that note, it's time to take a break. I agree. Katie, you're going to love tonight's listener question. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Hello, Deviants Defining Elite. Is scissoring a thing? From a respectable young lady. Okay. I, in the presence of multiple lesbians, <laughs> made a comment about how scissoring wasn't a real thing. They shot you down, didn't they? They shot me the fuck down. And I was like, oh, I'm an asshole. I also spent a very long time thinking scissoring wasn't a thing, but it definitely is. It is super a thing. I had my boss at work describe it once to me as like trying to find, you, you know, when, when you try and watch a spaceship dock at a port in a movie and there's a little bit of jostling and jiggling. So like mm -hmm. the two girls getting together to try and find the best way for their parts to rub together. It kind of looks like that. But then when you get it, it's perfect. It's oh, like for hell yeah. Yeah. That's, That's what he was saying. Honestly, it sounds real nice too. You can also share a vibrator between you two. Mm. Am that I giving you ideas? So fun. You're giving me so many ideas. Yeah. <laughs> apparently in porn, there's a thing where like girls ride a Hitachi magic wand together. And it's like basically like scissoring with a wand between you, which is, you know, first you got to find where it sits on one person's crotch and then the person on top finds where it sits on theirs. And then you hope that it, that the friction works out in the same direction, I guess. Are you okay? Yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> about the fact that Hitachi magic wands are just like, I want to buy one for every person I know that has a clitoris. I had a friend do that for me. And honestly, it's my least used toy. It's really? way too powerful. It's too powerful. I find that it vibrates oh. me to numbness or it gets itchy. And the area that it vibrates to is too large of an area. Okay. So you are a pinpointed pressure person. I really feel like affordable sex toys with low settings are underappreciated. I don't need a thing that pairs with my phone that I can program a sequence to. I want something that vibrates it hard and harder, 
with the click of a button that fits in the palm of my hand and can easily be put in my pocket in airport security. Right? Like, that's all I need. You're talking to someone who has a literal basket of sex toys next to her. So, like, I, I also have a literal relate, but... basket of sex toys, but I don't like it's like there's like the special occasion, like we're going to have a wild night. And then there's like good old trusty vibrator. That's fair. And she was $30. My Hitachi is my trusty vibrator. That's fair. She rests right next to my bed. Oh, I keep mine plugged in anyway, just because what else and where else am I going to put it? Yeah. Or, or sometimes it's next to my desk if it's been a really long work week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just casual Hitachi breaks. It's cool. I really think that people think vibrators need to be expensive. If it works, it works. That's true. For scissoring. If it works, it works. Just because it doesn't work with one person doesn't mean it might not work with the next because everyone's body parts are slightly differently shaped than each other's. Kitty, are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> She's just really interested in our scissoring conversation. Well, and it's funny because she keeps like just staring off into space. And I love <laughs> when cats do that because I'm like, what ghost are you looking at? In this case, she's just really fascinated hearing about your Hitachi magic wand. She's like, <gasps> oh, yes, mom does have it. Sometimes cats, mom, the cat is the mom and sometimes I'm the mom. And we alternate over who's mom. That's cat ownership right there. Anyway. Yes. That's called being a switch, everybody. Hey. Thank you for listening. All right. You can join the deviants. <laughs> We're so tired. We've talked about BDSM for so long. You can join the Deviants to Finding Elite by joining our communities at Sex News with Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can submit a listener question through share with ray.com slash podcast, email sexnewswithray at gmail.com, DM me at sexnewswithray or at wifebayray, or stop me on the street to ask me your sex questions. Meet me in my backyard. I'll whip out a cucumber and ask if you're hungry. Uh, follow me at wife. This is a real story. Follow me at wife Bay Ray on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and Razor Latex on Instagram and OnlyFans. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The music is by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones and photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. We did it. <laughs>